one of the things it talks about is activism, activist groups end up becoming class collaborationists who form, who who's wider in group, you know, because there might be the, the, the organization that you're a part of, like the single issue organization or the Marxist quote unquote party or whatever that you're a part of is, is your, your core in group. But then there's the wider activist left in group that you're a part of that uh, you end up becoming a class collab- collaborationist with liberal activists. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like, you know, <laughs> it's absolutely true for all of, uh, all of our, and I'm saying this in, with a, with a, the, the broad collective hour, all of our, uh, critical, you know, reminiscences and study of the popular front as a selling out of the, the goals of the working class to liberal allies in the popular front. I don't see anything fundamentally different, you know, in what we did for, uh, far too long as members of the, you know, nominally truly revolutionary group allying with the idiot liberals because we all wanted to, yeah, I don't know, disinvite the speaker of, from the IDF at our campus, just to pick one of any number of the kinds of examples that one can pick. Or disinvite George Bush or, yeah. you know, whatever, John Bolton. Or... Functionally, there's no difference because it's not, right. you know, the presumption was always that, uh, the best of those activists, right? The specialists um, from the other side that didn't, that you know, that, that could be won over, could become specialists like us, and then they could go and do the exact same work, but with a cooler hat on. <laughs> yeah, the the official hat of Trotskyism, or like a T-shirt that says "No human being is illegal," and then it says it again in Spanish and it says it again in Arabic. Yeah. Know? Uh, but functionally, it was the exact same thing. It was because, and I think the author of this article has a very prescient uh, case to make that this kind of specialization, this kind of rigid separation of the activist from the crowd is just liberal politics. It is perfectly uh, safe and comfortable within the confines of capitalist, of bourgeois democratic society. And he even says that the... Uh, that the role of the activist is similar to the role of the union boss in that it is to be a mediator between the potentially unruly crowd and the, uh, the powers that be. I don't know if I share every single sentiment behind some of these statements, because I think this author is, is against uh, a, a the lot party of, organization as a whole. Yeah. And I think that there yeah. is, there is a reason for, there is a, there's a space, there's a role to play. Uh, they're for movement leaders. They, they need to exist and they will exist whether we want them to or not. Yeah, that's the thing about, you know, anarchism is they, they're against formal leadership. So they inevitably will enable informal dictatorship. Remember the king of the anarchists, Jerry? Yeah. yeah who yeah. was just ruled by force of personality and barked orders at people and they obeyed. No formal mechanism for leadership and... No formal mechanism for getting rid of a leader. Yeah, they're just—they're actually just there forever. Now, yeah. you know, this this article does say um, says that the uh, the activist assumes power over others by virtue of their uh, greater degree of suffering and self righteousness, and even in non hierarchical groups, um, they actually just form a dictatorship of the most committed, and that the activist yeah. uses moral coercion and guilt to wield power over those less experienced in the theology of suffering. Damn. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, think you have to think about that too. It's like the person who has the most free time is the person who becomes a leader. In a lot of instances, that's going to be the person who's most financially stable. Yeah, it turns out that the the lifestyle of the activist is not just um, like the activity of the activist isn't just uh, perfectly. Uh, why can't I think of this word? Approval. Okay, so it's not just that the uh, the activity produced by the activist lifestyle is perfectly appropriate for uh, liberal pressure politics, but it also happens to be that the lifestyle itself is most appropriate for um, uh, the social layer that brings you those liberal politics. People who are, um, as, as we once called them, the children of the petit bourgeoisie, but what we now call, uh, for better or worse, and I would say mostly worse, uh, the professional managerial class. But whatever, that stratum of people who kind of... Uh, yeah, I reject the class portion of that. I, I'll, I, I will accept a reference to them as a professional managerial strata, yeah. which is a cross-class formation. It's, it's fluid. Yeah, exactly. And they're all throughout this entire period and all the way up through the Occupy Wall Street moment, too. And I think that was maybe even its highest expression. There was this constant appeal to figure out how to like merge with or relate to you know the working class broadly in a yeah. more general sense and um never was it the case that uh anything could be done to actually do that so no we meet on thursdays at 7 p.m and uh there is no extra meeting for somebody who works the night shift you know and this is on the eve of or shortly you know within a few years of the low-wage workers movement as like a a major flashpoint and potential source for precisely that militant yeah. working class recruitment. But, you know, these are young young people who are going to school and then working later in the evening at like fast food restaurants and stuff. Maybe you might have to have a meeting for them, which is separate from your special meeting that you've been running since the 1990s as the theologian of the activist lifestyle. So, like, in retrospect, we can look back and see how structurally hostile our groups were to an influx of working class members, not only because to keep up with the pace of activity when it was always so meaningless, you know, there are going to be heightened periods of any campaign where you need to extol the virtue of sacrifice, but it can't be every week, it can be every day, right. right? But also just even in the scheduling and the way that everything was done, it was just very clear that we weren't building anything that you could bring people in huge numbers toward. Um, what you can do is replenish the most burnt out layer of professional activists with a new layer yeah and the fact that the entirety of of everyone's organizing model back then and i mean you know i don't i don't literally mean everyone but i would i would say a great majority of activists back then um were organizing on campuses right like any any place that you would go to they were having their meetings on campuses yeah. Uh, be, be they anarchists, be they uh, leftists of one sort or another. The only people who weren't really were the SWP who were trying to, you know, organize you to quit, to drop out of college, quit your job and become a meat packer. Yeah. Which I didn't want to do. No. 